Welcome to episode two of the Technology Architecture Solutions Engineering Podcast. Uh, today we have myself, Mr. Wentworth, as well as Michael Askins from TACE. Um, Michael, how are you today? Doing good. Doing good, Mr. Wentworth. Um, recovering from the from the trip. The big, yes. The big trip. Yeah. Yes, the big trip. Um, <laughs> still, still jealous. Um, so... Definitely, you know, in this podcast, we want to to keep it a little bit short um, since last time we had a lot of discussion, uh, Ignite but not Ignite, as we like to call it. Uh, we had a lot of discussion with with uh, Justin, who will be joining us next week, I think. But um, for this topic, we kind of wanted to start out the, the podcast on kind of an Ignite closeout, um, talking about um, what we or what, what you experienced there. Uh, is it good to be back home? Uh, did you have a a fun time out there and what was your trip like yeah it was definitely a fun time the one thing that i found uh about day five of day six being away from home was that i just wanted to be home at that point um yes i you know the, the whole love fest of community and and all that that makes me want to go there by the end of it i'm just jonesing for my own chair, my family, and uh, to try to kind of absorb so much. I mean, it's so much to take in. So it is absolutely great to be back home. But and today it it actually snowed, uh, so it's kind of a smack in the face of yes, it's eighty four degrees, and a day later it snows. So <laughs> it's kind of kind of great to be home. Thank you. So what would you say is your your favorite favorite thing you learned at Ignite? off the top of your head oh off the top of my head the favorite thing i learned um so oddly enough it's not what you would expect well if you know me it's what you'd expect so there was there was a lot of things on um moving community forward and some of the messaging as partners for the my day job the one thing you find is that they, they give you tools and techniques to try to help customers at Ignite, they give tools and techniques for customers to help themselves. So one of our things later today uh, or on this on this broadcast that we'll talk about is uh, something called learning paths. And the all-in nature that Microsoft has on giving away knowledge and trying to get people to, to, to get where they need to be, no matter who you are on your career path. Um, I've always known they've had that about them but if you're been in the industry as long as i have there was a point in time where certifications at microsoft was just a thing you had to do and then it got really super aggravating because then they started expiring certificates uh, or certifications relatively quickly so like you would go through this whole learning exercise that would be good for a year and a half because they would only last three years um, to this new model, um, which we're going to talk about later. So um, they gave away a free test to everybody that was there, which was awesome. Oh, wow. um, so so finding, finding out about this methodology was, I wouldn't say my favorite thing. It was, it was something that I think that uh, as an organization for my day job that we're going to fully embrace and enhance. So that's something you know we, we can do there. One of the things I also thought... From, from a product perspective um, that I was really kind of digging was the, you know, the surface or the surface, the uh, 
Azure stack in a box that you can throw in a backpack and take out to the field. I really dig that a lot. Like that, that use case has so many things that we can do from a technology perspective, be it um, R&D for remote areas that you need to test your, your gear and your equipment in to see if it works from a, you know, a rugged perspective to um, say floods and hurricanes and disaster areas where you need to provide services all the way through to areas that are very blighted and have a hard time getting resources. Um, these deployable rugged devices bring the edge to the field in a very real tangible way. So it was really good to see that. And I'm really interested to see what happens with that because I know it's a product that's uh, either is shipping or shipping soon. Uh, it's really cool. I'd like to get my hands on that and see, see what we can do with that. Absolutely. That and a uh, custom background blur in Teams, right? <laughs> yeah. I want custom background blur badly. <laughs> I've been waiting so bad for that. I don't, I don't know why I want it so bad, but I want it badly. <laughs> we were just talking uh, in preparation for this podcast about how, um, you know, pop out for meetings and pop out for chat is going to be super helpful too. Cause you know, just before this meeting, as we're prepping, we're in a video chat you know, right now using teams to record this process, this podcast, but then also trying to look up information in teams. Um, that's going, I think going to be a, a feature that's going to be infinitely helpful once that, um, that rolls out to us. Yeah. From a, from a productivity perspective, I think that's going to be giant game changer. Right. And we have uh, some blog on uh, postings on, on that, just kind of touching on what it can do. So as you mentioned, uh, you know, in prep of our conversation, so I have actually two instances of teams running right now just to have this interaction with you where if once those features are deployed in our tenant, um, I can have a chat stream going and we can have our record stream going and then I can have uh, some notes here that, I, that I'm taking along the way. Um, all in the one interface. I won't have to have browsers logged into multiple teams type things. So yeah, it's cool. I dig it. Absolutely. I, I especially like when you, and you can sort of do that now, but only when you're, you're, uh, you're typing uh, in a conversation in a team and you're working on a document. And I've done that a lot where, you know, I'll be typing to somebody in the actual channel and working on a document at the same time where you can go and click start conversation and kind of, you know, work with it that way. And I think expanding that to just one-to-one -one chats and group chats and just being able to have that in a separate window is going to be huge, huge for so, people to Yeah. So it goes beyond it goes beyond chat. It's going to be, you know, these type of interfaces that we have on a daily basis with our with our, you know, that I have in my day job with our customers and I'm sure you have with your customers that you or have the ability to get out there and interface with them and have a live conversation and not have to worry about shrinking their head down to a small size and moving it around to make sure you can see what you need to see. I mean, that's huge from a productivity perspective. Absolutely. Awesome. So um, as we mentioned earlier, you uh, just came back from McKnight. Good to be home. There's snow on the ground today, which is a huge difference from from Florida weather. I kind of would want the Florida weather. Um, you seem to be enjoying the snow. Um, so um, I'm sure you're happy about that. So talk to, to, to me and the, the listeners um, today a little bit about what is the business and as well as the personal impact of, of your travel. I mean, you're gone for just about a week. So, you know, starting with the business perspective, what does that look like on, 
on you know the business impact and then afterwards what's that look like from a personal impact yeah for sure so when you travel there's different types of business travel right so there's business travel where you travel to a client site either local or, or long distance um and then there's traveling for your job that's either conference-based, event-based, learning-based. Uh, and and they're, they're both, they both have business ramifications, though one tends to have more of a ramification than the other. So when you travel for a client, you're, I mean, you're directly interfacing with you know, what is hot on your plate. You're, you may be juggling a few things here and there. But when you travel to learning, conferences, events, things of that nature, um, one of the things you find is that you are you become super connected with what's happening in the background. Uh, it's, it's not like a fear of missing out kind of a thing. It's a, you don't, you're not focused on some technical architecture or troubleshooting something. You're not focused on, you know, driving whatever the friction of the day may be. You're driving your personal growth in a business perspective, and also you're driving actually additional business. So we are partners. So it's slightly different when we travel because there's opportunities for us to meet with our customers whilst we are there, right? On the same sense, you do miss out on your customers that are still at home. So, you know, that's something that you have to be cognizant of. You just don't go. And when you when you're a consultant, you just don't go and forsake everyone because you're at a conference. You have to stay connected. So you find yourself really, really, really from a business perspective, living in your messaging environments, uh, be it you know Outlook or Teams or whatever avenue that you communicate with your, your, your client base, but you're also getting new opportunities or forging relationships with other business as well. So you have to feed, care and feed for the old. You have to nurture the new, and it becomes uh, when I'm, it's not stressful. It's it's not um, out of reach for someone to be able to do this because we all do this. But it's, it's you just come really connected with your people from a business perspective. You also have to put a lot of trust and faith in your team that they're going to do the right thing while you're gone. So, you know, making sure that you have that covered as in a plan before you leave so that you don't have to, you know, have that challenge of dealing with fires while you're trying to either learn something or network or work with your relationship with a Microsoft or another third party partner. So I'm going to, I think I alluded to this before, you know, conferences of past, there was something called Desperation Row when people had to put out fires. You would go outside of a conference, any any one of the big ballrooms, and you'd see rows of people huddled around outlets, cranking away on the friction or challenge or, or issues that they have back at home. So they're half-heartedly serving their their customer. And I'm not saying they're intense or half-hearted. I'm saying that you're you're so restrained of what you can do on the floor with 30,000 people around you. Uh, but on the same sense, you're also showing them your dedication, but you now you're missing out on the reason why you're spending revenue or or, or finances to get there and learn or network or what have you. So one thing that's different now is that there are a few times where you see that, but you see more people with their faces in their phones and not in that I'm not paying attention way. It's the I'm staying, I'm here, I'm present, I'm absorbing, but I'm also 
making sure that I'm connected to whatever's going on on the outside or putting out challenges or issues. I sat next to a gentleman who totally fixed a major issue in his enterprise environment. And he did it from his Samsung notes. And when it was all said and done, cause I saw him sitting there furiously swiping and pecking and tapping and doing stuff for like the better part of 20 minutes. And like we maintain, we, we, we pulled a eye contact and he, he gave me that whew moment. So from a business perspective, it's a little easier now to travel because of the connectedness. Uh, but you have to be cognizant of, of making sure you don't forsake what you left because those customers or teams or peoples, be it internal or external, are still back at home. And then you're also nourishing new stuff moving forward. From Absolutely. a person. Sorry, guys. I was just. I was just going to say that kind of links back from um, what we talked about last episode, where um, how modern workplace is changing the way that we work. It's it's changing the way that you experience that conference. It sounds like where you know you don't have to worry as much on is everything going okay at home. We're kind of in constant communication with with solutions such as Microsoft Teams and uh, being able to utilize something like that, and also the connectivity that you have with your um, you know, cell phone, being able to make changes like we talked about in the last episode as well, um, being able to make these changes from the phone makes it, like you said, it, you might not be giving it 100% attention. And obviously that's not ideal, but in a pinch, um, you can at least be in the same room doing those things and sort of absorbing, you know, at the same time, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. And so have you, uh, have you poked at the Azure portal app at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's. Yeah. That's a lifesaver. I mean, you can run shell, uh, PowerShell or Bash right from your phone, provided all the security context and all the security uh, profiles are in place. Uh, you can, there's things you can do there that saves so much time, especially if something needs to be stood up or remediated or, or troubleshot pretty quickly. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a game changer. So yeah, you were just about to go into kind of the personal aspects of being away for, for a week. So what's that look like? Yeah. So, so, you know, I always miss my family when I travel like a lot. And so you're gone and they know you're gone. You know, you're gone. You have a, you know, a hotel room and you, you reach back and touch base is, you know, frequent and often as you can. Um, especially if you have children, you, you know, you're, you're trying to get that last, especially when they're younger, you try to get that, Hey, what, when's bedtime sneak off to give a quick good night or, um, do a video chat or, or what have you. Um, as, as you get a little bit older, uh, you find that uh, you, you, you do what you got to do, you know, especially if you're in IT, you know, I've been married for quite a while. So the expectation of what I do and especially when I travel is pretty well known. So it doesn't require much, um, you know, justification of like being where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That's pretty clear. Um especially if you do the right thing, but you do see individuals who don't handle it very well. Um, they are constantly, you know, messaging back home because, you know, friction of personal life or, or what have you. And, and that's unfortunate, but it, it's a reality that we have is, you know, personal lives commingle with our technical lives. And when you travel, um, you're now doing the same thing. You're doing care and feeding of your family while you're gone. Um, to make sure that you know everything's taken care of so so from from my from a business person for me from a business and personal pers uh, impact perspective the the two top things from a business is is staying connected and then from a personal uh, 
impact is staying connected. So the, they're one and the same, um, though they require different degrees. <laughs> um, they are still one and the same. And anybody that ever travels, um, I strongly recommend that they make sure that they, you know, set the framework up for what you're doing uh, and, and when to touch 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 base back home because it is important. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned, I think, I don't know if it was on the last episode or if we were talking offline about how you noticed the a significant number of people that were traveling with their family members to to ignite yes that that's that's a thing now um it's really strange uh, not strange in a bad way it's it's uh when when you go down to the state that has the, the mouse with the big ears and they have a good part of that state um going to the theme parks and what have you is uh, it's relatively easy to say justify hey come on down and some businesses allow that others do not. Um, so it, it, I actually saw families, you know, at the event, like their family run businesses at the event and they were taking the opportunity because, you know, things from a margin perspective, I can only, I can only suggest or, or infer that's the case, uh, a smaller outfit of the, the whole family's there and you read their tags and their name tags and what they do. And you find out that like, oh yeah, they, they all work for you know, Bob's computers and they're all, you know, relatives and this person does accounting and that person's a technical person and that person's, you know, what have you, the marketing person. And, and they take the opportunity to take the week off to come down and they bolt on a few extra days. Good for them. You know, that that's really nice to see. Um, and the thing about Ignite too, is the, the demographics are vast. I mean, they are from, you know, just out of school to well out of school, probably on the latter half of their their career arc. And so you see that Microsoft is an opportunity for the closing party. They recognize that a lot of people either have their, their spouses either work with them or they come out with them. Um, to give them the opportunity to go to the party, the attendee party. Uh, you have to pay an additional fee for that person to go. But that's it's, it's super cool that uh, that they allow that. That is really cool. I didn't even know that was a that was a thing. But it sounds like uh, uh, at least from from what you mentioned that there's kind of a shift where people are sort of bringing more of their their family members or significant others to the event um, and making it more of a I want to say vacation, but almost vacation. Um, you know, enjoying the the theme parks perhaps, but also just enjoying the experience of Ignite itself. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I would, I would, I'd have to have a line in the sand for, for that kind of a thing. I want to be, I'm there for the main primary reason is the Microsoft event. So if I were ever to be presented with the opportunity to do that, I would draw a line in the sand and say, okay, between the hours of seven and five, I am in session. Outside of that, if there's stuff to do, that's great. But, you know, because if you think of it, if you get a day pass to Disney, you're going to only go in the evening. Uh, you're already down there. How easy would it be to, like, skip out for, you know, an afternoon? Absolutely. The, the events only comes once a year and it's a week long. So you got to take the, the make the best out of it as you can. Right. Absolutely. Um, so I know we wanted to, to stick on the Ignite topic. So you mentioned uh, in the agenda that we were building kind of three three topics that you wanted to talk about, starting with with Azure Arc. Um, do you want to maybe give a rundown of what that is? I think we touched on it last time, and then 
um, kind of expand on it a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So just as a, a high level, um, you, first of all, you need to really dive deep into this. And, you know, our day job, this is something that we, we do. So we're super excited to see this come out. Um, and I don't want it to seem like we're using this as a, as a marketing mechanism to get you to, you know, call us at our day job. But the technology is just way too cool to, you know, organize, and manage and run services pretty much anywhere under the umbrella of Azure Arc. So, you know, you can provide your on-premises, your edge devices, multi-cloud, it's true multi-cloud. So if you have, you know, somebody that calls themselves a cloud provider, that's essentially a colo, or you have the big three, including Azure, you can deploy and monitor and manage services with Azure Arc across all of that, right? And some of the areas that they touch on are, you know, obviously governance and security. You're putting the the Azure portal overlay on top of any provider, including yourselves with your on-premises gear. So that's huge. Um, I don't know if you had the opportunity to poke around a little bit on some of the functions and feature, uh, features that are available there. Um, so I'll toss it back to you here in a minute, but you know, the one thing I just want to implement or, or, or highlight is the, the the consistency is what's different when you have different providers, including yourself. You have a data center, you have Azure, potentially AWS or GCP. You have all these different options to put your, your stuff there. One thing that's not different is monitoring, managing, and security wrappers, right? A lot of organizations really like what the Azure offerings bring to bear when it comes to all those features. So you can actually have that by doing Azure Arc. Absolutely, yeah. So that was that was one of the areas I dove in pretty deep, uh, not at Ignite, but just kind of seeing what was going on. And that's one that, that really stuck out in my mind. Um, I think something that, you know, in you know, my day job that I see all the time as an architect is, when you go to a, uh, a company site or a, a client location, and you start having these kind of information gathering sessions with them, you realize that they've had use cases in other clouds, right? In AWS or in GCP, or even, you know, their on-prem um, on environment that they've kind of started as a test and it kind of grew into something that isn't quite just test and people are using it actively. And even though it might still be a quote, air quote, test, um, you know, it's still something that's being used. And sure, uh, in a perfect world, you'd migrate migrate that under one hood, but that might not be practical for a number of reasons. So um, having the ability to manage all of that uh, in, in one location, so you don't have to have your IT staff going to the Azure portal and the AWS portal and the GCP portal, um, that that is just a game changer right there i think just to save them time from a management perspective but then like you said rbac is a huge thing you can use your azure active directory with all of those items you can use monitoring alerting like security um, all those things just under one wrapper uh, i think is going to be huge from an it personnel perspective just saving that time and making sure that you're not wasting time you know switching between screens and trying to find the same thing in just a different different area yeah, absolutely. So, so one of the things that you know I, I want to call out first about Arc is, 
is that it is in public preview right now. Um, it's relatively easy to get something stood up to make it meaningful or really suggest you interface with someone to help you with that bit. Uh, but here's the challenge with this particular bit. And I'm gonna ask you a question if you, how you feel about it. So it is public preview. It is public preview that is free right now. And it's also scoped only to Windows and Linux management. So the security bits, like the heavy security bits, not just the security bits around the management of the Windows and Linux servers, but the heavy security bits and the data bit that allows you to do um, data movement and data governance and all that under, under the hood, as well as some of the Kubernetes and AKS stuff is not available yet. I'm curious to see how, you, how it'll tear out from a pricing perspective if it's just going to be one service or if it's going to be micro bits like most of other Azure based upon what type of thing you do. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was curious about that too. And I'm glad you brought that up. I think it's, I think it's interesting and I'm excited to see where they're going to land on that because from, from one side of my brain, having that as a free solution moving forward and it kind of makes sort of sense. Like I wouldn't be completely surprised about that because you're going to give a lot more people uh, the the reason to learn the Azure portal, and that's kind of going to be their go-to. So if you give them this this Azure Arc product for free, you're going to have a lot of a lot more IT professionals using portal.azure.com to manage everything than if you perhaps made it some sort of cost. Now, I'm sure the cost won't be incredible. I can't imagine that that's going to be a, a huge cost for, for most organizations, but making it free, I think, will will make a lot of organiz organizations that are multi-cloud, even if they prefer the AWS portal or the GCP portal, I think the competitive advantage of having it all under one uh, layer will push a lot of people to portal.azure.com to do all their management. Um, so I think there is a play for them to perhaps keep it free. Um, but as far as Pricing, yeah, I don't know if they if they do end up making it somewhat, um, you know, have some pricing model towards it. I think it will be will be tiered. I think there probably will be a free layer that maybe you can manage Windows and, and Linux environments across the board. But like you said, when you when you go to manage more complex tasks, then that's where the pricing will come in. Absolutely. So there's there's a there's a direct direct bold line to another thing that was released during Ignite. And, you know, I, I know we were going to talk about Endpoint Manager, and if we have time, I think we should still do that. Uh, but there's something that's kind of associated with Arc that is called Azure Lighthouse. So um, not sure if people really saw the news on that, because a lot of people wrote it off kind of right away. Um, there's automation and cloud management at scale across multiple uh, environments. So it's kind of targeted towards the MSP model uh, or across those who develop app apps that are bucketed and not segregated at the app and data layer. What Lighthouse can do is, is pretty amazing. So there's, there's some organizations more on the enterprise scale that could leverage this, who have separate environments for their dev, prod, test, things of that nature. Uh, and what Lighthouse will do is it, it'll give you that protection of your resources. It gives you the ability to manage the 
intellectual property that's de that's developed and built across your dev test and prod it allows you to get super super detailed um, viewpoints and actually flip it the view on what you're actually doing from a resource and subscription perspective you know at at massive sizes right so it's super cool that they have this uh, ability now to be able to to do this because as you know you you know during your day job you're bouncing in and out of all these different environments all the time right imagine if you were say in an enterprise and you're responsible for it and you're going to have to patch and secure and update one environment and then move over to patch and secure and update the next environment make sure that all the apis and everything are striped across it are the same with lighthouse that gives you that ability at scale across all those different subscriptions absolutely yeah that that's critical you know both of us being you know architects in this space know that flipping between tenants of of different customers is something that's easy to do but it's kind of uh, confusing. Uh, you'll you'll be in in a different uh, tenant looking around, and you're like, "Where's where's XYZ?" And you're like, "Oh wait, gotta switch directories. Gotta switch directories. Gotta switch directories." So, being able to have some of that uh, again under a single pane of glass will be pretty good. Um, I know you were talking about endpoint manager, and I think we I think that's a natural segue into into that topic. Um, we're running out of of well, not running out of time. We're running on to the thirty minute mark here, but. Do you want to give kind of a, a overview of, of endpoint manager since you brought that up? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, it's a it, kind of best of all worlds, right? So it's taking the cloud intelligence of what's learned out there from a threat perspective. It's using detection and remediation tools. Uh, it's it's doing update and app deployment in a very homogenous way. So it's essentially taking in tune and configuration manager and that logical as for years we've said oh let's mash it all together let's say you know intune is config manager in the cloud which is actually false um, that is something that is actually becoming a reality with endpoint manager it's intune and configuration manager brought together so it's it's super cool um, i think what we should do is maybe do a complete write-up on this because there's been a lot of if you look on the internet, there's a lot of uh, a lot of talk about how this can be a, a deal changer for for those who are actually having to worry about frontline workers, mobile workers. Um, you know, how do we handle the the cost for this, and what's all involved? So, you know, just to take a stripe across, um, you know, what the Microsoft product sheets are, it's you know, bundling Intune and Config Manager and Autopilot, and having the all that data surface up into one place as opposed to having the pipe and port and create additional Azure resources to service that and report against it. Uh, it's all coming to that one face, right? And then you say on the back end, we can manage that with you know Azure Active Directory and threat protection, ATP, Defender. We can feel really good about what's out there, what's its configuration, is it matching what we need? Is it secure? And how do we handle that from a um, enterprise or even a smaller business perspective? That's the thing, the democratizing of IT with these services is everyone has the abilities to, to, to leverage these tools. No matter how big or small you are, you can feel 
did that you're covered? Absolutely. I think one of the things that I've noticed in keeping up with the, the topics of, of Ignite this year, um, both from a modern workplace and from an Azure kind of both sides of the fence, um, they seem to be putting in a lot of features and a lot of products. They're taking a lot of related but sort of separate uh, topics and, and surfacing them in one screen uh, or one window or one you know solution. Um, you know, Lighthouse is an example of that. Um, Azure Arc is, is an example of that, taking a lot of things that are related but separate and, and surfacing them in one location. Obviously, Teams is doing that with SharePoint and with um, Outlook coming into there, and your calendar is already there. And I, I really like that. Um, you know, we've we've said single pane of glass too many times in this podcast already, but um, I definitely like that. Uh, the ability to see many things that are related, even if they're not necessarily the same or in the same technology, um, but they are related, seeing that in one one screen is super helpful. And I think Endpoint Manager is another good, good example of how they're bringing a lot of like things together. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, that that's one of the things that's great about Microsoft 365 is with all the 365, there's Dynamics and Office. But Microsoft 365 brings that um, operating system and application tier and security level and it just bundles it all together in a way that's manageable that's that's not a bear to deploy um that you know requires minimal troubleshooting when something needs to be remediated from a from an issue perspective so yeah usability is also the thing that i just wanted to bolt onto that is is it becomes super available and less confusing because it's all pointed, but it becomes easier to use. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's no good to have everything in, in one screen if it's a mess to manage, um, that's for sure. So combining the visibility with the ease of use is is huge. Um, yep. I know we had a couple other topics on the agenda for today, but maybe we should save a couple for next time in the, in the spirit of keeping this one a little bit shorter. But one thing that I think we should at least bolt on to this maybe in the next five minutes or so, and maybe we'll continue with it next time because it's a pretty big topic, is the whole staying current section that we talked about. Um, I know you mentioned that earlier in the podcast, so I think we should kind of come full circle and maybe end with that one, uh, if that's cool with you, and save kind of the other topics we have till next time. But you mentioned some new learning paths from Microsoft and how you know before that you took a test and it was only good for a certain amount of time and all of that was kind of changing and, and what that looks like. So do you want to kind of give a Quick five-minute rundown on that before we we sign off for today. Yeah, absolutely. So Microsoft has these learning paths. Uh, if you've been on the Microsoft site at all, even if you're starting to troubleshoot an issue, you'll find you'll be pointed towards something called learning paths. So once upon a, a technical time, we had these certificates, these these you take these five exams and you were labeled this and you take these 10 exams and then you were this. And there is still a framework in place for some of that. One of the things that we're finding is that having the skill to do the job um, is what's extremely important. So they have these things called learning paths. The whole event of Ignite was built around learning paths. You can actually pick a learning path of, kind of who you are and what your role is. And it would put together a suggested um, syllabus for sessions for you to take. So if That's you were awesome. an I, yeah, it was pretty awesome. If you're an IOT dude and you picked IOT, I'm an IOT developer or an IOT administrator, um, it would 
pick the corresponding stuff that goes along with that. So what does that mean for moving forward for people and staying current? Anyone that has ever sat through one of my sessions of, of an Azure scaffold or Azure vision, you'll find that I always have a small little section on how do we stay current? This is an excellent way to stay current. They have learning paths based upon technology and job role. You pick it, it's gonna surface a bunch of technologies that they feel is important to you. You select that, you, you take digestible chunks of information in, uh, you can get pointed towards some resources that are outside of uh, the, the, the learning area of the Microsoft uh, the web, web world. And you can take exams to get certified in various areas. So if you've been on LinkedIn and you saw that somebody got Azure Fundamentals and then somebody's got working with NoSQL data on, on Cosmos DB and these little badges and these little things keep popping up, those are the learning paths. A lot of people thought they were just, I took this class and I took this test and here we go. What they're doing is taking the traditional, here's your pile of exams, go find a teacher, or go take a week of boot camp, or download these videos or subscribe to this site and then come back. They're making it more digestible bits that are engaging for people. And I'm going to stop it at that because I want people to go there and, and, and just go to your search engine of choice. Of course, it's Bing, right? Um, but go to your search <laughs> engine of choice and uh, plug out uh, Microsoft Learning Paths, and you'll find that uh, the world is, has opened up to you in any 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 area that you want to be involved in. It's it's good. That sounds really great. I, I didn't know that about Ignite. Um, they kind of auto-populated that schedule for you if you wanted to, based on learning paths, if you will. And that's actually a really good idea for somebody like like me who's never been there before. I would be for sure overwhelmed of the amount of sessions and be like, which one should I take? Which Where, where should I go? Um, obviously, having a starting point would be great. And then, oh, I'm kind of interested in this other thing that maybe isn't directly related to my job role, but it's something I want to get into, or it's something that we are moving to in the future or something like that. You can then pick and choose which ones you want to flip-flop. But I think having that as a starting point is great. And similarly, you know, for your, your learning path or your, your education in the industry, having a starting point for that as well uh, to get to where you want to be and, and get your certifications that are required for your day-to-day -day life. I think that's awesome. Absolutely. So, so yeah, you want to get fundamentals in Azure, you know, go to Microsoft's portal, Azure fundamentals, just about 10 hours worth of knowledge and 12 modules and that with practical experience and being around those who know um, Azure well enough or, or working with partners, you'll be able to get your fundamentals in no time. That's not, awesome. you, not you, because you, you know this <laughs> stuff, but you to our listening audience, but I knew what you meant. <laughs> yep. yep. So anything sure. else you want to bolt on to um, this, this, this podcast today? I know we're slightly over time, but not as bad as last time. Uh, we had some more topics, but I think we can easily save them for next time. I think the ones that we skipped are actually ones that are, will be good conversation when Justin's here as well. So maybe we'll save those for him. Um, anything else you want to bring up today? No. Uh, the, the one thing I just want to touch on real quick is to, um, you know, make sure that you stay connected every day. Try to pick up a little bit of information. 
if you don't have the ability to 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 go, go through a learning path because you know life gets in the way, or you don't have the ability to deploy some of the technologies we talked about, or do a pilot, um, stay involved in the community. You know the Microsoft technology community is 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 large. Uh, you'll still be able to stay connected. You'll still be able to, you know, be involved. You might not be, you know, real real time deploying at your organization because you might not be ready or you have it already. But the exposure and understanding what's what and where, where's where, super critical. Um, with that note, I do want to thank TasteLabs.net, our sole sponsor for today's episode. I want everyone to know that we plan on doing some mini drops along the way here as well for some uh, product specific type things. So stay tuned to the channel. Uh, look for the episode list for the full podcast. And Mr. Wentworth, thank you for uh, running Spearhead on us again today. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, having me here. Thanks for um, joining today and having a conversation about uh, the fun that you had at Ignite. Um, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, excited to to join next week. Um, talk have some have some more conversations about maybe some follow ups for Ignite, but also some uh, other topics that we'll get into, I'm sure as well. So thanks everyone again. Be sure to to follow our our blogs and our our posts that will be incoming. And uh, have a nice day.